feeling stressed, left without gravity, in an environment that gets more and more complicated and complex every day, untangle your mind and go back to the roots of clear thinking. Get the original text of the Leviathan by Hobbes, the two treatises of government by Locke, the social contract by Rousseau, plus the U.S. Constitution from Pennsylvania, bound together into just one practical book. That's right. Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau, and the U.S. Constitution, bound together into just one practical book to keep your costs low. In this video, Jordan Peterson talks about the unconscious. So that's really smart, all that whole free association thing. Man, that's his idea that it was emotional systems, repressed or not, part of the id or not, because his idea of the unconscious was somewhat, it was somewhat confused in a sense. It depended on when he was thinking about it. I mean, first of all, the unconscious was a place to put things you didn't want to pay any attention to. But then it, later it sort of became the id. And the id was the place of these primordial drives and emotions. And so it's not a bad model of the unconscious, you know, especially if you think about it as something alive. And the unconscious is alive, it is not a cognitive machine. And, you know, modern psychologists talk about the cognitive unconscious. It's like, yeah, 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 right. There's a cognitive unconscious. It's like, well, what about the rest of them? You know, the motivational unconscious and the emotional unconscious and those things. So, the affective neuroscientists are on to that anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, Freud got there way early, and, you know, he would, he would note that you see this all the time. You're talking to someone, they're mad at you, you know, and you say, well, you're mad at me. And they go, well, no, I'm not. And, you know, and their face makes it perfectly evident that they're mad at you, and so does their tone of voice. It's like, okay, are they lying? Are they repressing? Or are they just more than one thing at the same time? Well, you know, each of those ideas is a perfectly good idea, but it's certainly clear that the thing you're facing is by no means a unified phenomena. You say, well, you're mad at me, and they go, no, I'm not. It's like, sure you're not, you know, and if you poke and prod them and irritate them and get them to talk, eventually they'll probably figure out why they're mad, because maybe they don't know or they weren't willing to admit it to themselves or they hadn't fully articulated it, and then maybe they'll tell you. Usually they'll cry first, and then they'll tell you. Well, that's how it is, right? If you, you watch how these things progress, it's like it isn't until something collapses in some sense in the person that, and they sort of soften, I guess they let their persona drop or something like that, until they soften, they're not going to tell you what's going on. So they're defended, you know, and that's another Freudian idea. You defend yourself against certain phenomena and certain truths. It's like, yeah, you certainly do that, and you know, you do it about, you pretend that other people are other than you know them to be. People do that all the time when they're in a relationship that they should have ended like a year ago, if they had any sense at all, and they know it, and it's like, oh no, you know, this is going to work out. And they use that stupid voice, which means that they're only talking from here, right, because they're ignoring the entire rest of their body and what it's saying. They know perfectly well that's absolute rubbish. They have no way of explaining to you why they're doing it. They don't know themselves. It's like, Freud, he knew what he was talking about. You know, and if you, you observe in your own behavior your proclivity to do absolutely absurd and self-destructive things at the drop of a hat and be entirely unable to control it, you know, I mean, we talked a little bit about eating disorders. It's like, 
there's like 80 or 90 of you in this room, that means at least 30 of you have an eating disorder. So you're like having this horrible battle with your hypothalamus for all sorts of weird reasons. And, you know, that's sort of the modern equivalent of Freudian sexual psychopathology because, you know, we can sleep around, but we don't know how to eat anymore. So I don't know if that's much of an improvement. So this is Freud. The mind is a composite of contradictory drives. Um, and Freud actually wasn't, he wasn't really a drive theorist because he was more sophisticated than that. You know, because really when he talks about drives, in the broader context of his writing, it's clear that he's talking more about subpersonalities because these drives manifest themselves as living entities with their own emotional systems, their own thoughts, their own impulses, even their own ability to speak. And you know that's true because now and then you say something when you're angry. You think, well, I wish I wouldn't have said that. It's like, who's doing the wishing there exactly? You know, it's like, it wasn't you that said it? Well, I said it was because I was angry. Well, that means you're not your anger. Well, that's Freud's point. Ego id. Id is anger. It is the thing that bubbles up all these impulsive actions and statements. And you're going to detach yourself from that sucker as soon as you can. And you're going to expect people to forgive you for it. Like, I wouldn't have said that if you wouldn't have made me so angry. It's like, which is like the worst kind of apology. <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> I did something rude to you because you're horrible and I'm your victim. It's like, that's a great apology. So... Freud was also pretty damn sophisticated in his approach to the unconscious. So here's some, here's some functions that he had identified as early as the 1900s. So he said, the unconscious has a conservative faculty. It stores memories, often unaccessible to voluntary recall. It's like, it's an interesting idea, right? So where are those things that you remember, that you could remember, but that you aren't? Well, that's a hard one, right? It's like, well... I don't know where they are, but they seem to be somewhere when I want to recall them. And Freud would say, well, they're in the unconscious. Now, it's obviously a black box hypothesis, right? You know, because it's not very explanatory. But at least he had the sense that it was reasonable to think of them as somewhere dissolutive. The unconscious contains habits, once voluntary, now automatized, and dissociated elements of the personality, which may lead a parasitic existence. Man, that's smart. You know, the idea that, that if you did something habitually, that that would produce an, an automatized system. You know, we didn't get there with, with, uh, with neuroscience until maybe the last 20 years, when we actually figured out that is what happens. You know, when you first start doing something, it's complicated, your whole brain is involved in that. That's why it's so exhausting, because you're really not good at it, right? So you're stumbling around like you're trying to learn a piano piece, for example. You know, you make mistakes, and you're just a klutz at it. And then you practice and practice and practice. And as you're doing that, less and less of your brain is involved, interestingly enough. And the parts that are active move from the right to the left, and then they move back. And as they move back, they get smaller and smaller and smaller until you have a little habit machine that enables you, say, to play that piece of piano uh, music, or that is really good at liking cocaine depending on what you've been practicing, you know? And then that's a little monster in your head, especially if it's associated with something like cocaine, and good luck getting rid of that. Because you've, you've automated it and built it into your biology. And Freud would say, well, then the thing just runs as an autonomous unit. It's like, yeah, that's right. He nailed that. It's exactly right. Creative. The unconscious serves as the matrix of new ideas. That's smart. That's smart. 
Often when you're coming up with new ideas, you actually free associate as well. People call that brainstorming. So good work, Freud, that was real smart. Mythopoetic. The unconscious constructs narratives and fantasies that appear mythic or religious in nature. It's like, well, Jung took that and just ran with it, right? But Freud never quite made the connection there, unfortunately, because he was so interested in hammering home the point that human beings were biological creatures. He never really was able to grapple with the idea that, well, yeah, we're biological creatures, but the mythopoetic function is a biological function. And so to say that religion is only a death, a defense against death anxiety is actually, it actually contradicts his own theory. Now, Jung pointed that out to Freud. He said, well, you know, there's a bit of a logical problem here. And Freud said to him, and this is what caused their break, it doesn't matter if we don't go down the biological determinist route, so to speak, then we'll be overwhelmed by a tide of occult nonsense. And of course, well, that happened. There was the Nazis first. They're pretty good at occult nonsense. And then there's the whole New Age movement. So, and you know, Jung is, Jung is tangled up in that, even though I don't think he's responsible for it. So, Freud wasn't going to go there. And he had his reasons, you know. But Jung thought, well, that's just not... I'm going there. And that's because... Jung had a mythopoetic imagination of incalculable complexity, and that was just where he was headed. But, but Freud figured that out. It's very, very smart. And, you know, a lot of modern neuroscientists and, and modern psychologists haven't, even, haven't got anywhere near this yet. You know, the idea that the unco unconscious has a mythopoetic function? It's like, I don't think you've learned that in any of your neuroscience courses yet. But it's coming, you know. I mean, it, it's, it's the case, obviously. Since we have mythopoetic structures, they came from somewhere, and they're not just stories, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's just not a sophisticated way to think. Feeling stressed, left without gravity, in an environment that gets more and more complicated and complex every day? Untangle your mind and go back to the roots of clear thinking. Get the original text of the Leviathan by Hobbes, the two treatises of government by Locke, the social contract by Rousseau, plus the U.S. Constitution from Pennsylvania, bound together into just one practical book. That's right. Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau, and the U.S. Constitution, bound together into just one practical book to keep your costs low.